Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 14. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. The Bible says guard your eyes, guard your lips, guard your feet, And here's an important one, one of the most important ones, I'd have to say, because if you don't do this, you can't guard your eyes, guard your feet and guard your lips. Guard your heart. Proverbs chapter four, verse 23, it says, matter of fact, it's on the screen. Read it with me. Keep your heart with all diligence. Come on, read it with me. Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it springs the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth. And put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. You see, keep your heart or guard your heart. Fellas, ladies, you got to guard your heart. You got to watch your heart. I'm constantly praying, Lord, guard my heart. You know, Satan's attacking your heart. What you think, what you feel. Constantly. Because he knows that if he can get you to succumb to your feelings in your heart and in your mind, half the battle was already won. So you got to guard your heart, put a shield over your heart, the shield of the word of God over your heart. Amen, saints? How important is that? Fellas, guard your heart. You know, if you work in the secular world, you know, you go to work and I'm just talking to you as a pastor here, guard your heart. Don't find yourself sharing your heart with anyone other than your wife. Don't share your heart with anyone other than your wife. As a pastor, we deal with this all the time. Be careful how you spend time at work and who you spend it with and who you're going to lunch with. And, 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 and you go to work and you had an argument with your wife the night before and you go to work and the secretary, oh, how's it going? And you go, well, you know, me and my wife, we had an argument, you know. I mean, which happens. Oh, right now, we call it loud fellowship. But, you know, we had, you know, some loud fellowship last night. And, oh, you know, and she goes, really? You did? Well, Let me comfort you. Let's go to lunch together and you can tell me. No. Be careful. You guys got fitness in common. Yeah, well, let's go work out together. And, you know, you spot me, I spot you. No. (laughs) No. (laughs) Say amen if you know what I mean. I don't have time to go through everything that's here. But no. Guard your heart. Never, ever, ever. Fellas, 
Ladies, never find yourself confiding in someone who is not your spouse. Your spouse is to be your best friend. Your spouse is to be the one you talk to about everything. Yes, you can come and talk to the pastors. Yes, you can come in for counseling. Yes, we're here to minister to you. But don't find yourself giving your heart away. Guard that heart because your heart belongs to your spouse. And many couples fail because they, 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 they get into relationships where they're not guarding themselves. Where they're not, they're, not, they're not guarding their marriage, guarding their relationship. I, I, I've made it a practice, and here at Calvary Chapel, I've encouraged the pastors, and you guys on staff, you know, you may never counsel a woman behind closed doors. Alone, never, never, ever, never. I never do it. And there have been times where I have had to counsel a woman. Elvira can't be there because if, if Elvira can't be there, I'm probably not going to have it. Now, there have been times where Elvira couldn't be there and something happened or whatever. And I'm telling you, I was so paranoid. If I had counseling with you and the door was open, I'd look paranoid. My wife wasn't there. Well, this is why. Because I'm freaking out. I got the doors open. My office is right up front here. I got windows all. I got the doors open, the window curtains all drawn up, you know. And they're like, why are you? We're like wide open here. I'm like, yeah, yeah, good thing. Good thing, good thing. No, you don't get, I don't, and I don't let women drive in my, with me alone in my car. I'm just trying to help you. You understand? Say amen if you understand what I'm saying. I'm just trying to help you. Don't get, take women to the store in your car and, you know, come in, you know, hey, you got a nice car. Take me for a ride. No. No, I don't, I don't ride alone with women. Go, well, she can't get to the store and can't eat and can't, you know, well, well I don't know to tell. I pay for a cab for her. I don't know. No. How would that look? You see me riding in the car with another woman. The only other woman I might take is my mom. She's actually sitting right on the front row here. I might. I might give her the keys, or she might take the keys. <laughs> but no. You see, these are things that you've got to guard your heart. You don't know. Herod, he didn't guard his heart. He didn't guard his eyes. He didn't guard his lips. He didn't guard his feet. Who knows? Maybe she, Herodias, saw him and, you know, hey, Herod, hey, that's a hot, souped-up chariot you got there. You know, take me for a ride in your chariot, you know. I never, ever, ever, no, not ever, take a woman for a ride in my chariot. (laughs) Say amen if you know what I mean. How important is that? And it's sad. It's sad what's going on. Do you know statistically Christians are getting divorced at the same rate as the world? Did you know that? I got to realize that one out of every two marriages, and I do perform several weddings throughout the year, one out of every two will end in divorce. That's the statistics. It was amazing for me to find out that Harvard had recently done a study and found out that 72% of women and 68% of men regret they got a divorce one year after it's been finalized. Isn't that amazing? 72% of women, 68% of men Men regret they have gotten a divorce. It's sad what's going on in our world today. It's sad that people are getting divorced for all kinds of reasons. People get a divorce because, quite frankly, some people didn't need to be married in the beginning. Some people get a divorce because they never finished being single. Some people get divorces because of irreconcilable differences. What is that? 
Oh, in other words, we, we don't get divorced because we don't get along. And, and, of course you don't get along. First of all, you, you got to understand something, see? You got to understand something. When you get married, marriage and living together as a couple, you got to understand that you are bringing two sinners together and, and bringing them under one roof. Two sinners living together under one. That's tough. So the next time you see your lovely bride coming down the aisle, looking beautiful, glowing and shining, just look at her and say, you know what? Here comes my sinner. That's my sinner. You know you're my sinner, girl. You understand what I'm saying? Because... Because look, because you're both sinners. You know, Pastor Rodney, you know, I just, you know, I'm just divorced for irreconcilable differences. You know, she, you know, I'm, I'm just sick of it. I had enough. I am tired of getting up in the middle of the night. That man won't put that solar toilet seat down. And I got to sit on cold porcelain in the middle of the night. I just, oh, I'm just sick of it. I'm out of here. Irreconcilable differences, you got to work on your marriage. Good marriages are made. They don't just happen. You know, we're talking about a couple of, a couple who have been married here. They've been married for 52 years. We know people that have been married for, that can't stay married for 52 days. Some 52 hours. Brittany. Oh, we won't go there. But, you know, 52 years they've been married. Of course they had struggles. Of course they had problems. Of course they had situations. That's the nature of two sinners. But you stay and you work it out. And you love on each other and you bring your cares to the Lord. Cast your cares upon him for he cares for your marriage. And you bring it to the Lord and you say, God, what do you want me to do? And don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking about abusive situations. I'm not talking about that because I think abusive situations need to be dealt with. And maybe there needs to be a time of separation so that there can be reconciliation as a whole other sermon But what I am saying is that we just need to be people who say, God, you know, I want you to be the Lord over my marriage. How often do we invite the Lord to the wedding, but we don't invite him to the marriage? Oh, we want Jesus to be here. Lord, we want you. By the time you get home, he's not the Lord of your home. So you got to bring all these things to him. And you got to bring your marriage to him and say, God, work in my marriage. And when you do, then he will work in your marriage and give you longevity in your marriage. God wants you to have a holy marriage. God's not so concerned with your happy marriage. Well, I want to be happy. Well, you should seek to be holy first, and then you will be happy. But if you seek to be happy and you're not seeking to be holy, guess what? You won't be happy or holy. Get the CD and pick, re- listen to it again on the way home. You'll get it. You see, so Herod didn't do these things. He didn't guard his eyes. He didn't guard his lips. He didn't guard his feet. He didn't guard his heart. And he stole another man's wife. 
And John rebuked Herod and stood against their marriage. And Herodias, get this, we just read it. Herodias never forgot it. And she wouldn't rest until she had John's head. And John knew it. But the interesting thing about it is John didn't stop preaching the truth. And he knew that Herodias was against him. He knew that that woman was out to destroy him and to kill him. But it didn't stop him from preaching the truth. I don't think for one minute it ever crossed John's mind to water down the truth. Unlike most today, politicians and preachers water down the truth because we don't want to offend anybody. Well, let's remain politically correct because we don't want to offend anybody. And we're so concerned with not offending anybody that we're not even teaching the truth. We're so concerned with not offending anybody that we're watering down the gospel, which leaves us with an anemic gospel because we don't want to offend anybody. That wasn't John. That wasn't John. You see, John was fearless. John was fervent and faithful. He spoke up and he stood up and he preached the word of God, the will of God, the way of God without pressure. John didn't succumb to pressure, unlike Herod, who killed John because of pressure. Now, that wasn't John. I was talking to my daughter yesterday about that. How many people find themselves doing things because of peer pressure? How many youth? If you're young here in high school and college or whatever, you know peer pressure. How many times do we find ourselves in places we shouldn't be because of peer pressure? How many young people are, are pressured into drinking? Maybe you're the designated driver and, you know, you're out with some friends who drink. Maybe you can't control that. Of course not. Oh, yeah, come on, man, have one. Come on, you can just have one. Oh, you're not cool if you don't have one. And you have one and you have two and you're the designated driver. You get behind the wheel of the car. And we've heard stories upon stories upon stories of youth being killed in car accidents, all because of pressure. Talking to my daughter yesterday, telling her, honey, don't let anybody ever, ever pressure you. No guy ever pressure you into having sex. You know the Holy Spirit is in your heart and in your life, and he's telling you no. Don't let some guy say, oh, come on, come on, come on. And then, you know, when they don't get it their way, ladies, let me help you. When, when they don't get their way, you know what they'll say? They'll use those three words that they think you want to hear. I love you. Let me tell you something. He don't love you if he's causing you to do something that is sinful before the almighty God. He, that's not love. That's hate, as a matter of fact. That is not love. And how many girls are, are, are pressured into having sex? Can I say something? Let me, let me tell you something. I think, I believe that it is cool to be a virgin. If you agree with that, clap your hands, would you? Absolutely. I think it's cool to be a virgin. Well, you know, everybody's doing it now. So here's the old parental statement all parents have used throughout all time and eternity from the days of Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> you know what the parental statement is. If all your friends jumped off a bridge, would you jump off too? <laughs> now, what parent you know has not said that? Of course you say it. It's, it comes along with parenting 101. You see? No. Everybody's doing it. Yeah, not me. 
Okay? You tell them. I tell you what. Give me the ring. What you want to see is the bling bling. Okay? <laughs> Give me the bling bling and... <laughs> Moving right along. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? You see, now, now, did you notice here in verse 11? I do have to move along. Goodness gracious, where the time goes. Look at verse 11, verse 6 through 11 again. What we have is the, the most gruesome birthday party I have ever read. It's Herod's birthday. Did you see that? The wine is flowing. The music is playing. There's a bunch of men stone drunk partying and yelling and screaming. And Herodias sends her 16-year-old daughter, teenage daughter, in to dance before these drunken men. And we're not talking about the electric slide. We're talking about the Patrick Swayze dirty dancing kind of dancing. Lewd, sexual, licentious dancing. I mean, can you imagine Herodias is the mom. She strikes me more like mommy dearest. Can you imagine a parent sending their children in to be a part of this kind of sin? Isn't it awful? Are you reading this? You can read the parallel account in Mark chapter 6 in your own time, but this is terrible. This woman sends her daughter in to dance sexual, lewd dancing before a bunch of drunk men. And the sad thing is, is that people still do this today. Will somebody please tell me what is going on with parenting today? Nobody knows how to be a parent. And, and well, you know, they, they write books on it and nobody's really, you know, there's no right way to be a parent. Well, I, I believe there is a right way to be a parent. And, 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 and sending your kids in to do things that are just ungodly and unholy and awful that will damage them, damage them, damage them for the rest of their lives. That is not parenting. That is awful. And you'll stand in accountability. People do this today. I've heard of parents who say, well, you know, I want my kid to go ahead and have sex at home because if they have sex at home, at least it's a safer environment. Well, I want kids to go ahead and my kids to go ahead and they can do drugs and smoke pot at home because it's a safer environment. I'd rather them do it at home than do it in the street. I've heard this kind of stuff. Hello, that's wrong. That is just wrong. That's not loving your kids at all. There comes a time as a parent, you put your foot down and you say, no, you won't do this. And my house, sweetie, you get your own place and daddy won't come over there and tell you to do anything. But while you're in my house, as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. You don't like that? Get out. Love you, mean it. You can borrow my luggage. No. Why? Because I'm loving them. Because I'm helping them. Because hopefully, prayerfully, God or the Holy Spirit will get in their hearts and their minds and say, you know, that is not right. I, 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 you know, put your foot down. It comes a time, parents, when you need to put your foot down. You got to put your foot down. And you're loving them the way that Christ would love them when you put your foot down. What is going on with parenting today? I don't know. This woman here, 
This woman here, she, she, she sends her daughter in. And did you get the story? Herod watches his stepdaughter dance. And, 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 the, and the lust and the liquor take control. And he says, I'll give you whatever you want. In, Matthew, in Mark chapter 6, it says, up to the half of the kingdom. And so the girl goes and tells her mother, he said, he'd give me whatever I want, mom. And mom said to the daughter, tell him to give me the head of John the Baptist. And so he commanded that John be beheaded, and John was beheaded. And here's a gruesome scene. The executioner brought John's head in, and Solome is the name of the girl, takes the platter with John's bleeding head on it, and she carries it across the room. She hands it to her mother, and her mother, tradition tells us, took a knife and drove it through the tongue of John the Baptist, the very tongue that rebuked her, the very tongue that accused her and condemned her. Gruesome. It was A.T. Robertson who said this, It is better to have a head like John's and lose it than to have a head like Herod's and keep it. I like that. Why? Because John is in heaven. I, I can't imagine when they came to get John to cut off his head, I bet you John was probably smiling. I, I, I bet you remember Stephen, the first martyr of the church, when they would be to stone him, they picking up these big stones, they got him in a pit and they're picking up these big stones. And the Bible says, see, Christians don't die like the world. The Bible says that, 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 that Stephen looked up and he saw Jesus standing to receive him. And I'm sure that put a smile on his face. And I know that John knew what he was doing was right before God. He wasn't pressured by the world. Be not conformed to things of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. John knew that. John was comfortable with that. He understood that someday he might lose his life for the gospel's sake. When they came to execute executioner came to take off John's head, John was probably smiling, and they probably put that head on that platter, and John had a big old grin on his face. <laughs> Can you imagine getting a head like that on I mean, John is like, and they're like, that's freaky. That's weird. Why? Because Psalm 116 verse 15 says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. You see that? The death God knows. And it's better to have a head like John's than a head like Herod's. And then in closing, notice in verse 12, when John's disciples heard that John, when, when, when John's disciples heard that John was dead, they came and they took away, look at verse 12 again, look at it in your Bibles. And notice they took away the body and they buried it. It. That struck me. They buried it. They didn't bury John. They buried the body because John wasn't in that body. So they buried it, not John. The real John, no man could bury. And in their grief and in their sadness, did you see that? And in their brokenheartedness, they did what we should do when we're grieving, when we're sad, when we're brokenhearted. Notice what they did. They went and they told who, saints? Jesus. You see that? That's what you should do. It was Cornelia Booth, the daughter-in-law of William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army. She wrote these words, bring him thy sorrow, bring him thy tears, bring him thy heartaches, bring him thy fears. Oh, tell him plainly how thou doest feel, ever believing Jesus can heal. Come to him 
You're hurting today? Come to him. You're sad today? Come to him. You're depressed today? Come to him. Jesus said, come to me, all ye that labor. He didn't say go to the program. He didn't say go to the pastor. He didn't say read a book. He said, come to And he said, and give me your heavy burdens, and I will give you a light burden. See, this is the message of the gospel. All the religions say, go. Go do this. Go do that. Go do this. Go. And the gospel says, come. Come unto me. The spirit and the bride in Revelation say, come. This is the glorious gospel, the glorious good news of Jesus Christ. He says, come, and I'll take your heavy burdens, and I'll give you a light one, and your life will be better. Your life will be better because you know him, because you love him. Don't ever shrink back from the truth, because the truth is the truth. The truth cannot change. If people don't agree, it still doesn't change the truth. Let every man be a liar, and let God be true. God's true. Amen, saints. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.